Hello, friends. Thank you for joining us at Christian Advisor. I'm Ryan Brown, a financial planner, and I'll be your Christian advisor for today. In our previous episodes, we discussed budgeting, what is money, and we started into something called the wealth languages. Today, we are going to dive deeper into Kale Dowell's wealth languages. The wealth languages help define the intrinsic motivators when it comes to work and money into four different archetypes, stability, future, moment, and opportunity. Let's start by saying the wealth languages are not a be-all and end-all solution. Rather, the wealth languages are a starting point for your conversations so that you can be aware of what you are looking for with your finances and life goals. Our first wealth language is stability. People focused on the present with regards to their finances, obligations, where their resources are, and how accessible those resources are. To simplify, stability-focused people care about what is happening right now a lot. At their best, they can be the most nurturing, caring, and supportive people you know. But the negative stereotype for these people is that they are worriers and that they don't understand investing. We will debunk that in a moment. Stability-focused individuals are often strong core members of their communities, as a frequent goal for stability is to create stability for themselves, families, and friends. With all of this in mind, stability-focused people are typically focused on the short term and can be quite risk-adverse. Where their finances are located, how accessible those funds are, and knowing their exact return is important. With that, often the size of the return they receive on their finances is a low priority. A lot of the difficulty for people who have stability as a primary wealth language is having serious conversations about money and goals with those close to them. Too often, people with the other wealth languages can view their stability-minded family members or partners as not understanding money or as being scared. My stability friends, in your finances, Be assertive. Ask questions. Make sure you understand what is being said. And if you have to repeat your concerns to make sure that they were heard, that's okay. It is very important that you are heard and listened to. That being said, probably the biggest drawback of being stability-focused is that a lot of the times you'll find your comfort zone is far larger than it should be. People who have a stability mindset may have an emergency fund that is double, triple, or more than what they actually need. You may even feel uncomfortable investing money that you will not need for a very long time. With investing for the future, stability-focused friends feel like they're sacrificing something right away, even if they have more than enough. Why? Well, it's because their comfort zone has grown so much larger than it needs to be or should be. A lot of the times when you are a stability-minded person, you need to sit down and talk about your financial comfort zone with someone that you trust, because maybe your comfort zone is holding you back from using the resources provided to you in the way that they should be. Well, what do you mean by this, Ryan? (laughs) I suggest, to answer that question, you look at the parable of talents from Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. Recently, I got to hear the most wonderful stability story that I think exemplifies why having a stability-minded person in your life can be such a blessing. 
I was at church, and the pastor was talking about giving. At the end of the sermon during the altar call, suddenly the gentleman in front of me turned around and told me about how his daughter lived in one of the most expensive centers in Canada, Vancouver. She found herself in a situation I think far too many in our society find themselves in. Her living expenses were far more than what her starting position was paying, and to top it off, she was burdened with deep student debt. Finally, she had some credit card debt on top of that, which is sadly far more common than you might expect. She had lived for two years with not so much as $100 of extra in her budget. That's tight. Finally, after swallowing the shame and guilt that she felt, she opened up about her financial situation to the people in her life that she trusted, in this instance, her parents. Her father was already retired, and he, being a stability-minded person, did what he thought was best. He went back to work part-time and used that extra money to pay off her credit cards and help her with her student loans. He provided some financial freedom and stability for her. Now, there is more to this story, and the part I find fascinating is that it wasn't just enough that he got to show how he cared for his family through stability and finances, being able to provide for those needs, but that going back to work part-time had become a blessing to him, leading to new connections that he was making at work and the fulfillment of that good work which he was doing. Stability-focused people are such a blessing to have in your life. Because when life gets hard, they will help you find a solution. That's a really big deal. So to all our stability people in our lives, thank you. Next, let's discuss future. I'm sure it is not much of a surprise, but most financial planners fall into future or opportunity as their primary wealth language. So I may be biased here. As you may suspect, People who have the future wealth language are focused on the future. Typically, less risk adverse, like those from a stability mindset, but they have a strong sense of making sure that they can check the boxes and that they have a predictable future. They want to make sure that the road they are taking for them and their family is as smooth as possible towards retirement, college funding, estate planning, travel adventures, and other passion projects. Future-oriented people tend to be planners, but not all planners are analytical or do well with numbers. So it is a very dangerous assumption to believe that just because you are not good with numbers means that you might not be a future person. In fact, I suspect that most future-minded people do not use numbers all day every day. When it comes to knowing where everything is, future and stability people get along quite well. Both like to make sure that they are limiting their hazards and both can feel irritatingly boring to some. Future-minded people are often great coordinators and very prepared. They likely have a backpack with a solution to every potential need. They'll have an advanced first aid kit, snacks with gluten-free and vegan options, probably a Swiss army knife, a needle, five different colors of thread, and a book series just in case they get bored. One of the biggest drawbacks to be aware of with our future-focused friends is that sometimes plans change. And changing plans may be one of the most stressful things to happen to a future-minded person. There may be all sorts of reasons that plans change, whether good or bad. It will still be stressful. Sometimes 
plans that you made were based on an incorrect assumption. Sometimes plans change because of an unexpected promotion. And it's okay that you're stressed out when those plans changed, even if that changes for the better. Remember, you're a good planner. Take a deep breath and make another plan. If you have future as your primary wealth language, something that may help you in navigating your discussions about money is to ask how far in the future do I need to plan for? How much is enough? And what do I do when something unexpected happens to my plan? If you don't have a finish line, then making a plan doesn't do a whole lot. It's like creating the world's best roadmap and then not traveling anywhere. Just because it's very well thought out and potentially useful does not mean that it's effective. Personally, I relate to the future mindset very strongly, and I have spent many a time asking how much is enough. How much do I really need to be satisfied? I know that the Lord will care for me. As he says in Matthew 6:26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? We are the body of Christ, and so in order to enact his kingdom, we must do work that suits our strengths. As a planner, my strength comes from making plans. But at the end of the day, remember that it is his plan we are working towards, not our own. We have talked about stability, and we have talked about future. Both of these wealth languages are very practical, risk-adverse wealth languages. These are the people that want to make sure that life happens, and unsurprisingly on a financial podcast, we start with those ones. Why? Because we like making sure that life happens. Next, let's take some time to discuss the ultimate present wealth language moment. People who follow the moment wealth language primarily are focused on the near term, and they don't particularly care about the dollars and cents. But they care more about the experiences and memories that they can create. Many moment people nod their heads very approvingly when I say that money is simply a tool, because to them it is. I think no one understands that better. They will enrich your life for it. Now, I could go on and on about what a moment-focused person's perspective is from a technical standpoint. However, I feel that wouldn't get across to the people who should relate to moment with my technical analysis. So I would like to share a story about a moment person with you. Having a moment person in your life can be such a blessing, and let me tell you about Paul. Paul is my good adventuring friend. We have climbed mountains, ran with bison, and we were rated as lifelong friends by a video game once. You see, when Paul is around, smiles are bigger, jokes are funnier, conversations go deeper, friendships form faster, and inclusion is the basis. When Paul is around, you don't have people left out. The whole group is a cohesive unit, and everything just seems better. Paul, like most moment-minded people, is an amplifier because he's able to focus on the moment, and he's able to focus on the people he is with, and he is not too concerned about the outside stresses, so long as there is enough to do what is required to make the best of today. If you don't have a Paul in your life, I hope that you can find someone in your circle who has that moment mindset. Because if the idea of enjoying the moment seems foreign to you, remember, money is a tool, and we need to be able to use it for good purposes. 
Moment people can be the best at finding good purposes. The one caution I want to point out for people who relate to the moment wealth language primarily is to let you know that you are not defined by how great of a memory you can spend or create. And you are not defined by how much money you spend and you are not valued based on what you can provide. Trust me, you are a wonderful person and we are very grateful to have you in our lives. Moment-focused people are not inept when it comes to finances, but I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't remind you that your responsibilities are important. Take the time and put the extra effort in to make sure that you are tracking your spending. My moment friends, it is important that you do your math homework and budget every month at least. When you enter into financial conversations, make sure that you can take the time to listen and be mindful of your partner's situation and how they are hoping to be fulfilled from their finances. And for any of you moment people who may be with another moment person, can I just take a moment to recommend you go find a financial planner who has a stability or future mindset? Because we need to make sure that those bills get paid so that you can keep doing what you two do best. Finally, this brings us to opportunity. Opportunity as a wealth language, I think is the most volatile to have as your primary wealth language. Why? Because the risk versus reward concept is such an intrinsic motivator for opportunity-minded people that they can completely neglect the present. Opportunity-minded people are usually fantastic communicators, and they can do great high-level thinking and explain innovative concepts, but often they may lose the fine details. At their best, opportunity-minded people are builders, innovators, and entrepreneurs, and they surround themselves with a team of capable professionals that make sure all of their dreams, goals, and objectives happen. Opportunity-focused people tend to be the doers that make things happen. However, a big concern that arises with opportunity-minded people is when they don't take the time to trust and get wise counsel from those around them. Their tunnel vision focused on the big picture and don't take care of the small details. Those little details can creep up on you and add and add and add up until all of a sudden you have a big snowball of disorganization or mistakes to try and get past in order to achieve your objectives. Precluding that, another dangerous trap that opportunity mindsets can get into is having a big barrel full of ambition and nowhere to put it. Finally, similar to future-minded people, opportunity-minded people may neglect the present for the future. They may be neglecting their health, physical or mental, and they may be neglecting very important relationships to them. My opportunity friends, listen to those in your life. Your ambitions are inspiring and people want to support you, so let them. Examples of opportunity-minded people are the easiest ones to point out. Look at your local entrepreneur. Look to a leader in your life. They may have a great vision, and they may have all of these wonderful ideas on what could be done and how they will make the world a better place. And they know how to do it, but they're going to need some help figuring out the fine details and actually getting there. If you find yourself leaning too much into the opportunity mindset, just remember that you have these great ideas, and they are yours. Trust in those great ideas, 
but also trust in the advisors and friends that you surround yourself with in order to help you achieve those dreams and goals. Navigating the wealth languages can be hard for a couple of reasons. The first being that you may not be clearly defined on which wealth language is the strongest for you. That makes a lot of sense. I think everyone enjoys some of every wealth language. Everyone wants their needs today to be met and cared for like a stability person is concerned about. Everyone finds reassurance in having a plan and knowing what the future may hold. It's no surprise that everyone enjoys having fun, and we're very grateful to the moment people out there who make that fun possible. And it is inspiring to think about what can be done, and we're grateful to the entrepreneurs and leaders that can create those opportunities. So don't think that you have to pigeonhole yourself into a single wealth language. That's why we've been using the word primary with the wealth languages. Your primary wealth language is what will shape your lens on how you view your finances and goals. That's the reason why it's important for the conversations that you're going to have regarding money. The wealth languages help explain your initial gut reaction and your concerns are generally going to revolve around that primary language. Remember from our previous episode that money is the number one source of stress and conflict in marriages and the second most frequent cause of divorce from Ramsey Solutions 2018 study. We want to try and use wealth languages as a tool to make the money conversation more enjoyable, as a way to learn about your life partners and family. Once you're past your internal reflective portion about the wealth languages and you've started having discussions with someone else about them, I want you to keep in mind that this is a guideline. It should be fun. If at any point you are having a conversation about wealth languages and things get emotional, heated, or voices raise, I strongly recommend that you pause the conversation. Whilst this is an important conversation for you to have, there's not a time restriction on it. You will do yourselves far more good if you make sure to take the time to talk about it calmly. The people in your life are not the same as you. And that's a good thing. Today, we've covered Kale Dowell's wealth languages, stability, future, moment, and opportunity. Kale Dowell's wealth languages help us take a look at money without numbers attached to it. And they also help us look at our traits that we may have without them being labeled as good or bad traits. My hope is that this episode has helped you evaluate what you want from your finances. Next episode, we will be discussing biblical principles regarding money and finances with a certified kingdom advisor. Thank you for spending your time with me through this episode of the Christian Advisor Podcast. Look forward to new episodes coming out every other week as we journey through faith, finances, and fact here at christianadvisor.ca. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or our website, christianadvisor.ca. Once again, my name is Ryan Brown from Silver Maple Financial and IPC Investment Corporation, and it has been my pleasure to be your Christian advisor for today. Have a great day, and God bless.